Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode, a new season of Potomania. Uh, I'm Kevin, and this is Sam. We are doing an as uh, as always, and by always I mean the two seasons that we've done um, <laughs> in this show. We're so consistent. We're the the, the long history of this show. Um, so. Every season is going to have a new topic. We did wrestling first. Originally, it was just going to be a wrestling podcast. Then we wanted to talk about other stuff. So season two became about television. And this season, season three, we are doing movies. And uh, so this should be fun. A whole, a whole bunch of new topics to cover. Um, and so our first episode is, uh, well, I mean, you know what it is. It's in the title. Uh, the episode that you're listening to so um anyway we're doing our top five favorite movies but the catch is we're doing it now which is in july of 2022 and when we get to our final episode um a little less than a year from now uh we will do, we will revisit these lists um you know if the world is still around and our country's still a thing um then we will revisit these lists yeah. um uh if not then uh, we'll probably be you know trying to find the last gallon of gasoline somewhere right uh, but uh but no we're, we're very consistent we'll uh we'll still you know record on our phones and yeah. uh at a, like, welcome know. to the mad mac max hellscape that is uh this this world now um, we're talking about our top five uh, ways to avoid the cannibals roaming the hillside. Um, <laughs> now, my favorite way is to uh, play dead. Uh, and oftentimes, you think cannibals would go for the dead body. They want the fresh dead bodies. So you know, if you ever see them roaming around, you know, in their demon bikes, uh, playing guitar for some reason, um, you know, just play dead. Right. I have found that uh, even though it, at first uh, it uh, sickened me, I have found the uh, ability to set my enemies on fire to be key to my survival. All right, and uh, oh, that's right. We got to go to our Audible sponsorship. Yes, because yeah. <laughs> Audible will still be around. They will still, I think no matter what happens, Audible will be sponsoring <laughs> the podcast. Yes, do that Audible thing. and MeUndies. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know what? <laughs> Even if I was a zombie, I'd still be comfortable in me undies. Those micromodile fibers and those great bright patterns keep this guy one happy zombie. Uh, thanks, me undies. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyway, so because, you know, it's kind of the same with anyone, just the idea of your favorite movie. It's such an elusive thing. It kind of changes depending on your mood and, you know, if what movies you've seen recently, you know, maybe you give it some time, maybe, you know, right away it replaces something. 
Um, so we're just going to see like if they stay the same or if they don't. Um, and uh, no, uh, no restrictions on this one. It's very simple. So, um, Sam, I don't, I don't know about you, but I kind of, I kind of knew most of my list. And then I made a list of all the other movies I would consider, and then all of a sudden, the list uh, the, of my favorite movies that I I would usually go to for decades changed, and I think only two of the uh, five that I had previously were made it to my list because I I really tried to focus on movies that I will sit down and watch a lot or yes. at any time. Yes. Um, so movies that I think are great, but don't necessarily watch that much, um, are out, uh, which is why my original, my answer for years to what's your favorite movie was Fargo. Mm. However, just in the last decade or so, I've just, my tastes have gone a different way. I still love Fargo. still think it's a great movie. It's, uh. But I, I really haven't, I, I can't remember the last time I watched it. Um, and I haven't watched the TV show either, so. Um, oh, well, the, the, there, most of the, most of the seasons are really good. I haven't watched the latest one, right. but that is an excellent TV show. Sorry, right. I'm talking, I'm talking like it's last season. <laughs> um, uh, so I got my top five. I got about three honorable mentions uh, that. I was debating on putting on. Um, what about you, Sam? What, what, what was this making your list like? Um, making my list was pretty easy. I'm actually one of those weird people like, I know. I know what my favorite movie is. Right. To annoying, maybe, you know, it's one of those things I'm working on uh, because the great sacred places of my life that I, that I believe are very important to me are my home, my church, the stage, and the movie theater. Mm. And I love the movie theater experience and I love watching movies. Yeah. Um, I think I've always had, I think I've always known what my favorite movie is. It's changed throughout the years, um, but my list is just the, the basically my, all five of them have been my favorite movie of all time at one point. Uh, oddly enough, um, like number five was number one recently, but the more I thought about it, it dropped to number five. Same thing. Um, the the yeah. the one that was my number one for a long time before Fargo made it to this one because I still rewatch it a lot, mm -hmm. but I couldn't. I, it kind of dropped to number two because of a recent one that I'm just four reasons we'll get to later that I'm it's just it's everything I like uh yeah. nice. um I can tell you have, about, did you have any honorable mentions uh transparency did I note any no off the top of my head the movie that impressed me really the most this year so far that I am tempted to put on my all-time favorite list was um everything uh everywhere all at once Ooh, I oh man, I really I I tell you, and go see that. If you haven't seen that, watch that, watch that with your with your significant other listener. 
if you have one. And if not, that's okay. It's good for single people too. You are real and you exist. Um, sorry, that was just for just speaking to me in my 20s. Um, Sam, would you go as far to say that single lives matter? I think I would. <laughs> we'll see if I delete that or not. I don't know. <laughs> Season two goals getting canceled. For getting stupid. canceled. Uh, haven't got canceled yet. Um, <laughs> I guess you have. I think to be we need more people listening to be canceled. Yeah, you have to be popular in order to be canceled. Uh, once, once my mom starts sending us hate emails, then we know we've gone too far. Yeah. Uh, uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once. Just a terrific movie um, that that uh, some folks might not have gone to see because they're like, ah, multi you hear like multiverse, you think it's like a comic book movie. Yeah, it yeah. is not. It involves some fantastical things, but at the core of it, it is about family, and it is incredible. It's about so it's like Fast and the Furious. It's about family. Exactly. Mumble, mumble, mumble. Family. Cool. Oh, uh, I can tell you. Not a single Fast and the Furious movie will ever end up on any of my lists. That is a crime. That no, yeah, me neither. Um, no, but I tell you, but again, another one off the dome of favorite movies I have watched over and over again. Um, out of a big recent category of the big Marvel movies that have really defined the past, I don't know, what, past 10 years or so. Yeah, uh, have dominated the theaters and really continue to have a stranglehold on pop culture, whether you like it or not. Uh, the movie for me uh, out of that category uh, that I've come to over and over again and, and hits me um, kind of like uh, it's it hits me almost like uh, emotionally, almost like it's a wonderful life, uh, how true it is, at least to me. And I know it sounds silly to describe a comic book movie this way. Um, is uh, Captain America: Civil War? Mm. That one yeah. really rings true to me, as as just the the test of, of Captain Captain America in that movie of of deciding what's the right thing to do. Um, in addition to, you've got Chris Evans, you've got Robert Downey Jr., you have you don't really have the villain problem because really it's mostly our heroes fighting amongst themselves. Yeah. So every scene is fascinating. You don't have the CGI blob of whatever that they're fighting against. It's interpersonal. Yeah. It's, it's, you're invested and you've cared about all these people and they're going to tear each other apart. My father made that shield. You have no yes. right to take and it. Gut-wrenching ending. You don't deserve Especially it. Because like he's saying it and it's like, on one hand, like, yeah. But on the other hand, bro, you know you didn't know your father as well as probably Cap did. Even though he missed, like, a huge chunk of his life because he was frozen. Yeah. In the time they served together, he probably got to know Howard Stark a lot better than his son did, who has a very strained relationship. Yeah, that's, the thing. that's what they do so good. Yeah, um, with these movies that people, uh, I think, um, and taking Captain America, the soldier, the I'm gonna do like I believe in my country, I believe in the government, and mm -hmm. the comics did this somewhat. Although I think the movies did a little better in terms of his journey from I'm here to fight for, you know, 
the people and what is right, and that is my country. Mm -hmm. All the way to Civil War, where he's like, uh, the only person we can trust on we can trust is ourselves. Yeah. Because the thing I thought would always be pure and good and right has somehow fallen off those tracks. Mm-hmm. And now we can't trust him anymore. To Tony going from I I am smarter, I am richer, and I'm faster and I'm better than anything the government can do to wow, we are capable of like I've made some mistakes after mistake after mistake. We need accountability, you know, because we can do real damage to the world and we need to be held accountable to someone. Yeah. Like, it's a good idea to think we'll always do the right thing. But that's what I thought. And Tony nearly destroyed the world a bunch of times. Yeah. It was almost his fault in like every move. That was the running joke. Yeah. The biggest wrong. villain in the MCU was Tony Sark. Like, so that storytelling of taking those two guys on opposite ends of the ideal spectrum and completely swapping them to where you think they're where you think they would be is brilliant. And I know people are like, oh, it should have been the opposite way around, but that's the brilliance of it, that it isn't, that it's different. And it totally makes sense. You you buy it completely. Like that's that, that is such a great movie. So um, good. Plus you get plus you get the um you get the introduction to Black Panther. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's great. So yeah. So so side note, if we don't dear listener, if we don't do uh, top 5 uh, comic book movies, then clearly we've had, you know, we we are going to do that. I'm then then, um, then then the zombies have won. Yes. We that that episode will be I think our longest one because we will be waxing poetic. Oh yes. Every single thing. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. Um but, but how about the you? comic book movie realm. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the ones that I wanted to put on, and I didn't because I feel like it's better than there's one comic book movie on my list. And I think the movie I left out, this one that's on my own dimension, is a better movie. But just personal preferences, I like the other one a little better. Um, But in my opinion, this is the best superhero movie of the last two decades. Probably since Spider-Man 2, in my opinion. Um, And that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. That movie... The animation styles, the art, it's so amazing. And it's one of those things where it shows you the power of animation. This is not just like live action movies up here and then, oh, animation also over here somewhere. Like animation, when it's done really well by true artists, can stand next to and surpass any live action thing um and the acting and the just the story and the heart in that movie is so many i can't wait for the sequel uh i have a feeling it's going to let me down a little bit but not like it's going to be bad but just that thing of like how do you follow up something that's a masterpiece 
Yeah. You know, it, it's the it's the Steven Spielberg problem. Because um, for a while, Steven Spielberg was making these movies that people would say, like, they're great. And I'd always come out disappointed. And I'd say, well, like, I mean, I liked it, but it wasn't, I liked Munich. But I mean, is it better than Saving Private Ryan? No. Is it better than E.T. or Jaws? And then I realized, wait a minute. I'm comparing a good movie to literally some of the greatest movies ever made. Yes. And I'm expecting someone to continually make a movie that is better than his previous greatest movie ever made. Yes. And it's the thing of like, <laughs> oh, okay, I got to cut him some slack. Yeah. It's not, it's like when you, like when Barry Bonds would go up to bat and he wouldn't hit a home run, he would hit like a triple. Yeah. Like a double or whatever. And it'd be like, oh man, he had a bad game. <laughs> he didn't have a bad game. You're just so used to him hitting home runs. Yeah. That like when he actually has to, you know, run, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> especially at the end. Though. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of where I feel like it might land. But um, I really wanted to put in my top five. But Spider-Verse is I definitely wanted to mention. The other one, and this is personal, um, because culturally it ties to my Filipino heritage and all that stuff. And I was really happy to, it, it felt me with all, it filled me with all these really good feelings when I was watching it. Ryan the Last Dragon. Uh, it came out during COVID. Uh, COVID was kind of ending. So it was that weird, like half in theaters, half not thing. So it was hard to judge what its success was because it wasn't quite back to, you know, pre-COVID kind of expectations, but it wasn't also the COVID expectations kind of thing. Um, so I didn't know how many people watched it. And I, I felt like it got hot for like a, a week. Um, but like watching that movie, there's a lot of, they pulled on a lot of things from Southeast Asian culture. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of Filipino things I, I see in that movie and I just see and identify with it. And I, I told my wife, like I, would, like, I I watched the movie and I cried a little bit because I never had this feeling before. I thought I did, but it wasn't until I saw this movie, the, the joy of seeing something on screen and feeling like, oh my God, someone, someone sees me. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing all these things and like being like, oh my God, I know that. And that's, oh, oh wow. And, you know, it, it was just really amazing. And um there there are some issues in the movie in terms of I, I think it drags in some places um also a movie about this it's it's a really dark movie because it's a you know you, you have the there's this thing called the drone and it has no face it has no personality it's just this entity that turns everyone to stone if it touches you and it's talked about like a plague that's taking down it, it doesn't care who you are where you're from it will take you and it will take your family and in the movie every character when they meet one another they have a story to tell about a family member they lost to this thing what does that sound like in the age of covid yeah. and add to that the movie also is about the this fraction what this was once one country kumandra and 
because of stuff that happened selfishly, it got split and now they keep fighting amongst each other. And even in the face of this daunting menace that does not care who you are, where you're from, what your nationality is, it will take you and it will kill you and it will kill all the people you love. We are still fighting amongst each other. The characters are still, like they're surrounded by all these things, they're about to die. And someone comes up with the idea of, we need to give this to one person and and they will have all the things together that will, and they're like, no, we can't give it to them. We don't trust her. And it's that thing of like, even in the face of death, we are willing to say like, we can't do that plan because I don't trust her. Wow. I would rather die than trust that person to do the right thing. Wow. And I tell telling you, like coming out in the year it came out pre pre-election so it was like this i think pre-election post-election kind of you know what it was i think it was in the transition where you had still you know well biden won not according to them but he won and we'll see what happens pre-january 6th okay it's that thing of like it's such a reflect, and they I, they totally didn't intend to do that. It was just a story they were telling, but like it just happened to land in this thing where it was the perfect reflection of where we are now, and it has a good ending to it because you know it's Disney and it doesn't want to bum you out, but it kind of does in the fact of like I wonder if we could ever do that, and you start thinking to yourself, and you go down that rabbit hole of yeah maybe we can't maybe we don't maybe we're in the alternate ending of that movie where we just all die or maybe or maybe we're not i don't know yeah. I'd, I'd like to think we are but yeah. that's also the reason why it's not on this list it's kind of a bummer um and, and it's a little new for my taste that's also the reason why i didn't put the batman on my list because uh, i love the batman I, I, love it, I was like like this is the movie i would direct if i could direct a batman movie ah uh, that being said i was also like i think we're done with the dark and edgy batman mm -hmm. yeah i think we've gone to the as far as we can go with that and i like that the end of the movie kind of is like this is as far as we're going to go with that mm -hmm. and now we're going to see a little bit more light or the attempt to go into the light of being a more positive character um and but yeah it, it definitely did have the effect on me of like i feel like we've said all we can with dark and gritty yeah you know i think we yeah. need to find the middle somewhere so that's yeah. it and it's too new so that's the other reason it's not on my list yeah yeah no that is a that is a dark movie i didn't realize how dark it was until um a couple months ago i was going through my own uh you know emotional problems and i knew something was wrong when i was watching that movie at home going this guy makes sense <laughs> batman i mean i saw it in the theaters oh this is really cool i was watching it at home i was like this guy makes sense that alfred guy needs to get off his back get off his back come on oh so batman you're saying batman yeah batman makes sense okay i thought you were saying the riddler <laughs> no like like oh sam that is that's a really dark <laughs> No, 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 no! Don't you're worry. Murder is what you're doing. <laughs> no, don't worry. My my ego is still so huge. I identify with the hero. Okay, good. Don't worry. Oh, very good. 
I identify with the handsome hero, not with the ugly uh, psychotic villain. Yes. Because, you know, even as sad as I am, the ego, it's the, it still believes in me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that movie was good. Um, but yeah, oddly enough, I don't have any comic book movies on my list. I don't have any Shakespeare on my list. Me neither. I thought I would, but the Which one again, that I think probably would movies. make it, it for me, Brandis Hamlet. I mean, I, yes. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's, that is the one that if, if I had to put one on my list, yeah. it would be that one. Yeah. I, I kind of, I felt like you would do that too. Like if it was on there, it'd be that. And for me, it, that, that that is my favorite Shakespeare movie. Yes. Uh, and I and I, I say movie sp- particularly because it was made specifically for the movies. And I know there are those, like, like the Tenant production and the yeah the stage recordings the, where they translated it to a movie setting, but it's essentially just. I feel like it's cheating a little bit because you had this whole run with theater and then you're just like, let's put it on a set. And Patrick Stewart's Macbeth too, as well as another yeah. But movie specifically, Hamlet's it. Until yeah. someone else and also it. again, Shakespeare movies, I feel like that's also a separate episode. Yeah, I feel we're going to tackle that at some point. I feel yeah. like. um, all right, so let's move on to our number five. Um, I will start this one. Um, so my number five favorite movie, uh, this is a movie, I feel like it's of a certain age, but also it keeps gaining new people who appreciate it because it's timeless. And it's, I feel like it hits every genre uh, in one movie. You know, it has adventure, it has action, it has romance, it has comedy, it has drama. And it's that movie that a lot, you know, people from a certain generation, us, we, you know, you were sick, you were watching this movie. To this day, I'm sick, I'm watching this movie. Um, And that's Princess Bride. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm sick, I'm feeling like, you know, I have certain feel good movies, like, you know, you know, comic book movies and, uh, a movie that's later on my list in Star Wars, but this one it it hits a different way. It just it, I I love it so much because it it you know it really does bring you back to when you're a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it it has that connection to and I and I've heard people talk about it before. Where like they wish like the interludes with the with the grandfather telling the story and getting interrupted by the son like they wish that was gone and you just had just the core story of the princess bride but that's that's what the story is about yeah that's the point that's the point the and i i saw an interview i think in one of the behind the scenes thing on the dvd um where they were talking about like having a one sentence kind of like what is this really about and the guy like thought for a second. He was like, "I think William Golding uh, is the or Goldwyn or something. I don't know. I forget his name. Uh, it's somewhere along those lines." He he said, "This is about this is a movie about uh, a little boy getting sick and his grandpa coming over and telling him the most important thing in the world is love." 
and that like i will watch that put that right in my veins every day yeah. of the week. and you know the Inigo montoya and the dread pirate roberts andre the giant being amazing and lovable um the inconceivable you know there's so many things from it that have become like pop culture now but i feel and i feel like sometimes when something like that happens um it loses some of the magic but Princess Bride doesn't lose any of it. It's just because there's so much heart in it. And, you know, it's funny to, although it is funny to me now to see where, um, uh, what's his name? The guy, the actor who plays Inigo Montoya. Um, Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin. Seeing where he has gone with his career, um, you know, with Homeland uh, or whatever show that yeah. is he was on, and yeah. really intense, bearded up guy, uh, but also knowing his past as, you know, this star of Sondheim and this yeah. incredibly high pitched voice, and to everyone else, he's just, you know, my name is Aniga Montoya. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that part's always funny to me. I like that. Oh, that that scene alone just the sword fight alone is worth the price of admission oh yeah wait wait which one the the one with roberts when they're like testing each other or at the end when he's confronting the six-fingered man oh no the first one the first one yeah. that's i mean when he switches hands yeah it's like i'm not left-handed either and he just like wow like i mean that's just that's the um it's the uh, closest thing to pro wrestling that I think our list may come, come yeah. across as just this a, great matchup, this yeah. great story within just this fight. Yeah. You learn so much and the action in itself tells the story and yeah. it, it hooks you in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the different stages that the dread private Roberts has to go through. Yeah. Is great. So, I mean, that is such a great story, you know, classic story device to yeah. where by the time he finds a Princess Buttercup, you're in. Yeah. You're in it. It doesn't matter that her name, that she's Princess Buttercup, that, yeah. that there are rodents of unusual size that are called rodents of unusual size. <laughs> um, and the, the other thing is like, it has a perfect balance to everything it can go from being serious like oh my god wesley he's been captured to completely ridiculous with the guy coming down saying you're in the pit of despair now <clears throat> no one's coming down for you you know just like <laughs> clearing his voice like because you expect him to have a weird raspy voice yeah and then he's, he's just a british guy um yeah. and just <laughs> when he's like turns the thing on and then <laughs> And Christopher Guest is just there as a six-string man being like, now tell me, how do you feel? <sighs> like, yeah, it's, there's so many amazing things in this movie and it just brings me so much joy every time I watch it. Um, so that's my number five. Uh, what is your number five? Oh, great pick, great pick. Uh, my number five, a, a familiar movie for some, it is the great, Sorry, loading, loading. Uh, the great 1989 classic, No Holds Barred. No, just kidding. 
Oh my God, I would love you to put that on there. I just had it. Um, no, uh, my actual number five. Uh, my actual number five. Uh, it is. Its title kind of reminds me of basically the theme of my. I think about my entire top five, um, which is the theme of the American dream being an impossibility, but something we still reach for. Mm. Um, the movie is a fairly recent movie, at least within the past 10 years, American Hustle. Ooh. Bradley Cooper, Amy oh, Adams, man. Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, this is basically the Avengers of acting. It really is. I mean, you oh, get goodness. a great crime drama, you get real fun, you get the Isn't real Jeremy Robert Renner in that movie too? Hmm? Isn't Jeremy Renner in that movie too? Jeremy Renner? Yeah. So good. I mean, it's a fictional film set in the alluring world of one of the most stunning scandals to hit our nation. It tells the story of a brilliant con man who, along with his equally cunning uh, partner, Amy Adams, is forced to work with the FBI, represented by Bradley Cooper. Yeah. So you, the movie starts off, it's just Christian Bale and Amy Adams, they meet, and he's this con artist guy, and she's in it. So I, you go in thinking, okay, this is a con man movie, but it's not. It's a romance. Yeah. Stuck yeah. in a con man movie. Yeah. And thing is, Christian Bale is married to Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. And he just, they are, these two people should not be together. She's no. nuts <laughs> and really shouldn't be taking care of any children, yeah. much less the one that they have together. Um, and so they have to, so when Christian Bale and Amy Adams go to work for the FBI, they end up balancing not only the danger of the mission, but also the danger of their relationship and how, how they're going to survive the mission. How's the relationship going to survive? Uh, and it is just, it is some of the best acting yeah. I've seen Amy Adams do. Uh, where not, I, not to mention that like Bradley Cooper's character is just the just the worst. He's so good like, at being he, a jerk. He he really is, and it, it's so clear he does not care about anyone around him. Yes, he's one of those like your tools for me to use mm -hmm. to get to the next level. And the. The, I mean, it, this also, this movie helps on the rewatch when you realize how good of a con artist Amy Adams' character is. Because yeah, she sits Christian Bale down and says, this is what I'm going to do. And she's already ticked off at him because like, this is, you know, them getting busted is like, she's is like, no, we're going to do this. Even mm -hmm. though I am so ticked off at you for so many reasons, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to do the, the best con of our lives and oh, that whole speech that she gives to him i think it is it convinces me that it's not only the master that you see a movie where amy adams appears to change the color of her eyes <laughs> like yeah. she's just so good but especially in that scene where she's basically setting the whole okay we're taking the hero's journey here yeah. and it's going to be and we're going to do this but it was just, it was just, it, so it takes off from there. 
And it is just incredible how they mix in this fictional story in a real premise. Yeah. And you have just banger, great acting, great storytelling, great music. Oh, yeah. So good. I'm a sucker for pretty much anything in the 70s. Yeah. I am in for, if you can get Elton John, if you can get, um, uh, who are the people that did uh, Dirty Work? Oh, uh, Dirty yeah. Work, you know, I mean, you know who I'm talking about anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the title sequence when they're walking through the hallway and that music hits. I'm a fool to do your dirty work in American Hustle. It's like, oh my word, this yeah. is how you make a movie. Yeah, it's it's one of those th- movies you're watching. And, and I hate using this word, but every once in a while you watch this movie and it's the only way to describe like it's on a different level is like, oh, this is cinema. Yeah. Like, like, oh, this is a different level here. This is, yeah. 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 This is why people put up with Danny Boyle yelling at them. Uh, because <laughs> it is so good how Christian Bale, once again, uh, transforms for a role. I, I love that he finally did that. He finally went the extra mile of changing up his body and making, and, you know, radically deforming his appearance for a role i mean he's just such a pretty boy and it's finally nice to see him disappear he thinks i'm glad unlike a lot of unlike the people who are kidding themselves his transformations actually pay off they do they really and they don't hurt the people around him um but that's a rabbit trail jared leto that's that's what i'm talking about but it's just so good i mean and for a while it was my number one because it was so good I love also on that Christian Bale note, I just love, like he's a Hollywood actor. He doesn't have to look that way, but it was right for the character to make him look like the most unattractive man in the world. Yes. (laughs) Like he's chubby. He has the really bad hair, like the obnoxiously bad hair. His face is a little pudgy and kind of awkward. And the, the clothes he wears too, the costuming was great, which sets up for this amazing, like, oh, this, you know, the con artist thing of like, you know, people are going to underestimate him because yeah. that's what you do. I yeah. love con artist movies too, because like, I, I love any movie that invites you to watch it again. Yeah. And that it will give you a different experience knowing where it, where it goes. Yes. You know, so you can pick up on all the, little things that are happening yeah so yeah. good so rewatchable so that's my number five very nice very nice. american hustle um so my number four uh this was my number three for a long time and this is the other comic book movie that i was t- talking about earlier um i think into the spider verse is better like a better made movie but because I'm a Batman fan, The Dark Knight, yeah, number four, and I think overall as a film, The Batman might be a better movie, but it's a little too soon, um, because also that one doesn't specifically. Rel- I mean, Christian Bale is amazing in it. All the actors are amazing in it. But I mean, The Dark Knight is the Heath Ledger show. I mean, it it it, it is. Uh, I've come to terms with it. 
there were many, many times I was like, no, man, there's more to it. It's the Heath Ledger show. That, that's, that's the thing that pulls you in. Um, but it's more than that because the reason why it's lasted for so long and that it's still talked about as one of the best in the realm of comic book movies. I mean, I remember Kevin Smith described it as the Godfather two of comic book movies, of of superhero movies, uh, when it came out. And as the time has gone on, I'm like, it's still that to me. I still feel like it's that, you know, the whole thing of like certain movie, like the Godfather, it has a, you know, a certain place and, you know, people talk about it a lot more. And then people talk about the Goodfellas more. But like when you talk about like quality and you talk about the Godfather too, everyone's like, oh, well, that's that's the gold standard. May not be the first thing you talk about, especially now with Marvel and all like the, the sheer volume of comic book movies and superhero movies and even just movies with Batman in them. Um, there are so many now. And this movie does such a great job and I could go on forever, but I, I, I love the performances from from Heath Ledger and uh, I think I think Christian Bale does a really good job. I think people gave him too much of a, I think people were a little too focused on the voice of it all to really like he's doing a great job. Yeah, he's doing an amazing job. Um, and yeah, the voice is kind of funny, but if you just push that aside a little bit and see the performance, like he's, it's amazing, you know, it really you kind of take it for granted a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, more Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, they're never, they're never, they never turn in a bad performance. No. They're always going to do something amazing. Mm-hmm. And both of them do too, as well. And just, the line at the end when Batman's giving the speech t- to Gordon and then it flashes to things in the future and it and he says it flashes to Morgan Freeman as this technology he said he was going to quit over starts basically erasing itself and destroying itself now that he's done with it and he starts smiling and Batman says under it sometimes people deserve to have their faith rewarded Like that whole thing, I'm just like, I, and I mean, it's come become a cliche now, but the whole like, you know, he's not the hero, he's the hero we deserve, but not yeah, the hero needs right now. Yeah, it's like, not, that is yeah, such a great descriptor yeah. of character, of, and, and it can describe so many things. And I use that one a lot. And, it's such a great movie, and uh, yeah, uh, Dark Knight number four. It'll yeah. come up in other episodes, I guarantee it. Oh, for um, sure. Um, but yeah, it's not only a Heath Ledger movie, though. I mean, that's how it'll be um, remembered. It really is also a Christopher Nolan movie. That movie is yeah. not what it is without oh, yeah, Christopher yeah. Nolan having a pitch perfect vision of what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, and also Gary Oldman's voice. Oh, the ending of that movie as he takes off on the bike. Yeah, I mean, little. I mean, that wasn't little kid me. The little kid inside of me was like, "Yes, it's one of those few times you're like, yeah. that's 
what I, I mean, I want the comic book to come alive. That's what the Batman did for me for the entire movie. Yeah. That ending did for me was like, yes, that is Batman. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up Christopher Nolan, (laughs) but I was joking earlier about, um, there's a movie on my list that the internet will, you know, be like, no, it's the best period. Um, man, Christopher Nolan fans, um, they're not the most rabid now compared to some others. Uh, <laughs> Zack Snyder. Um, I mean, I love Zack Snyder. I love Zack Snyder's movies. And I agree with some of the things Zack Snyder fans say, but they're a little too rabid sometimes. Uh, I feel like they've inherited the crown from Christopher Nolan fans because that was Christopher Nolan fans for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then he was like, I'm going to make a little war movie. And Oh, no, no, actually, no. The thing that broke it was, I'm going to make this weird time travel movie that's like, uh, COVID's happening. It's, uh, let's release it anyway. Yeah. And only in theaters. Yeah, don't worry. I'll I don't it. know if anyone's going to be really that excited to see it. Yeah, just do it. People like it. People don't like it. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. No, I liked, how, I liked how he thought the cure for COVID was a movie. Like, no, I'm going to fix it. Yeah. Now, did I go see the movie? You bet I did. But uh, but at that time, it's like any umbrella in a rainstorm. Like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know? yeah. If, you, if, you can, if you can withstand the hail and the thunderstorms. Right. Go ahead. So, um, so that's my number four. What's your number four? My number four, little known movie. You know, it was an indie film. Um, that just happened to win Best Picture in 1976. Uh, Little-known uh, little movie uh, by the name of Rocky. Uh-huh. Written by uh, Mr. Uh, you might have seen it if you have any of the uh, Turner Broadcasting uh, stations on your TVs, if people still have those. <laughs> um, or if you've got any of the streamers, chances are, it, you've seen it yeah. uh, by a Mr. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. Um, oh, that guy. That guy. Oh, that... yeah. I loved him in Creed. Never <laughs> 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 um, heard of this other movie he did, though. Oh, yeah. The old guy from Creed. Um, I. The movie's great. The story behind it is great. It's He's, it's the only movie where it's a movie that's also about the guy who made it. Yeah, he wrote an allegory. Yes, he wrote an allegory for his life. I was like, I'm a man in my 30s. I, you know what? And it looks like my dream isn't going to work out. I mean, I, he had to do a porn just to pay bills. Yeah, that's how that's how bad it got. Porn. He had to sell his dog. He got his dog back and put him in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, you know, he was homeless. He was living in his car. Yeah. yeah. It was bad. Um, and and they also, was it they wanted someone else to play Rocky? Yeah. I can't remember. And, he, and you know, when you're desperate like that, sometimes you can make decisions you're going to regret. Yeah. And the fact that he was like, no, I'm playing Rocky. Yeah, that he stuck to his guns is like yeah, I mean, that. 
I could never imagine being that desperate and turning down money because yeah. I'm so in the, I mean, in the my artistic integrity tells me I should, and which is not a word people nowadays would associate with Sylvester Stallone movies, right? But like, it's there in this first one, and maybe it's because all the se the sequels afterwards. Although I love the sequels, yeah, uh, kind of made you look back on oh, like the Rocky movies. They're just boxing movies, right? You forget the first one. I mean, it's kind of a boxing movie, but not really. No, yeah. No, it's it's a again. That's another a drama case. about someone who was a boxer. Yeah, it's it's in one case again the American dream, a guy with a one a million to one shot. Yeah. That, um, but it's also a love story. Yeah. It doesn't end at the fight, and the original ending of the movie was him and Adrian walking out of the building alone. That was the original ending of the movie. Interesting. Um, but they said, ah, it's too big of a downer. But the end of the movie- I would have liked that ending. I, I mean, the ending they have is fine. It's, it works and yeah. it's amazing. But, but they, um, but the end of the movie isn't, isn't about the boxing match. It isn't it about win. if Rocky, it's That's not about if Rocky won or not. It's about if Adrian has stayed for him. Yeah. That he yells for Adrian and she comes to him. Yeah. That they're together. That they love each other. That's the movie. That's what Rocky's won. And the whole um, thing of like, I just want to hang in there. Yeah. I don't want to win. I don't want to be number one. Right. I've kind of accepted that's not going to be where mm -hmm. I am. Right. For the sake like, of I just want to hang in there. And I want someone who's going to hang in there with me mm -hmm. in Adrian, you know? Yes. Yes. You're, you're exactly right. It's, it's, you're, it's yeah. such a beautiful movie. You're exactly right. And for sake of time, I'm, I'm going to jump to, oh, I, I have to pick only one scene. Um, the scene that he only got one take to shoot, but he said, no, we have to, we have to shoot this. This is the entire movie where it's the night before the fight. And he sits in bed after he's gone to the arena, you know, he's, and he's walking and he, he can't sleep and he goes back to, to bed and, and uh, Adrian's there and he says, I can't win. Yeah. Oh no, I can't win. But it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if I lose. All I have to do is go the distance. Yeah. No one's ever gone the distance with Creed before. But if I can do that, I'll know for the first time in my life, I wasn't just another bum from the neighborhood. Yeah. The uh, if the man, <sighs> that really gets to you. That's, I mean, yeah, that was oh, that's the movie, and he did that in one take, because that's all they had. Yeah, and that's your movie. It wasn't about winning. That's the soul of that movie. Yeah, it's going the distance. It's just doing all that you can. Yeah, taking the opportunities that you have and making the most out of it. That's why I think the Creed movies, at least the first one, I haven't seen the second one actually, um, are, are good. Is they take that cue of like this is not about the boxing, no, you know, this is about the the people in it and about you know people struggling to just stay afloat. Mm -hmm. you know? 
That's what it's always been about. That's what's always brought people back is the guy who's just like, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a great one. Wow. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's your number four. My number three, and this will go pretty quickly. Um, it is probably the funniest movie I've seen in a very long time. Um, and it kind of went under the radar for a lot of people. And I'm really disappointed, but it started to gain a popularity a little bit since it came out. Pop star, never stop, never stopping. <laughs> um, the Lonely Island movie. Um, it is, it's everything you love about the Lonely Island guys, but also a great mockumentary at the same time. And I love mockumentaries. I love the format of a mockumentary. This does it so perfectly. And there's just one thing in it that I really love, which is when at the end it gets to, you know, he's kind of reformed and they're at the Poppies, this big award show. And this guy he was touring with, but kind of overtook him and sabotaged him a little bit. He has a reality show following him. So he has a camera crew following him and uh, Andy Samberg's character, Connor, has a camera crew following him. And then all of a sudden they're like, come on guys. It's like, we're not with you, we're with Snoop. And then Snoop is there because he has a TV show and he has a camera crew. And then it cuts to a wide of like all these people crossing and they all have their own individual camera crews. <laughs> and it's it just, it's the one thing I think about whenever I see all these like reality shows and of like celebrities at the same event but they're all on different shows and it's just i think about the logistics of well there's the cameras for the show then there's cameras for the reality show of the person who's in that show and then there's cameras for the other person who's in the spinoff of that reality show on a different reality show that's also part of this current show that the two of them are in and and the fact that 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 (laughs) made it in it's filled with amazing stuff great funny music and uh I hear they're making a second one, probably not connected to this one, but they're just making another Lonely Island movie, which I, those guys, those guys together, so funny, and I will watch anything they do. So that's my number three. They are great. They don't, they don't disappoint. I love their stuff. They're really good. Um, I too have a comedy on my list. Uh, Number three is The Godfather. (laughs) Uh, uh, I know, folks. I'm, I'm picking some ob- obscure titles here, but I, I, there was a specific phase, especially. Um, I think, I think it might have been all of, uh, I think all of junior high, or at least all of high school. Right. The Godfather series was something I watched repeatedly. Mm. Um, over time, it's the first one I have found. I think I. I've put ahead of number two, uh, mainly I think just because over time, it's about a lot of things. It's again about the American dream. The movie literally starts with "I believe in America." I believe in America, yeah. And Coppola makes a movie no one wanted to make. Go see that. Uh, the movie he didn't want to make. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to make it. Multiple um, times he said yeah, the producers didn't want Brando. They didn't want Pacino. The mob didn't want to read the script, <laughs> which is the thing. They were mad about it, and then they brought the script to them and they're like, uh, 
Oh, I don't want to. Oh, a lot I... of words. Yeah. Um, yet, that's the movie they made. It's about mob. It's about the mob. It's about drugs. It's about violence. But it's about family. And it's about the impossibility of the American dream. Yeah. Towards the end, um, in one of my favorite scenes in all of movies, Marlon Brando's Godfather sitting there with Al Pacino. And he says, I thought one day you would be holding all the strings. This movie is about fathers wanting their sons to have a better life than they did. Mm -hmm. There just wasn't enough time. And Pacino's Michael says, we'll get there, Pop. We'll get there. That's your mob movie. Yeah. It's just, it's one, I mean, I don't think I need to make a case for why The Godfather is great. But, you know, I will say one thing about The Godfather. It, it The thing that I love about it is just how, I love how Coppola, what brought him into, okay, this is something I could make is when he broke it down as like, oh, this is like King Lear and there's this king and he has three sons and, mm -hmm. you know, he wants, you know, them to have better lives and, and, you know, but it's like, and the idea of he is a great Don and his sons have one part of him that is great, that makes him great, but none of them have all three, which is why none of them would make good or effective Dons. Yeah. Um, you know, like Michael has his ruthless, you know, his ruthlessness and, um, you know, the, uh, James Kahn, he, he has his, you know, his passion and, and his violence and, and, and Fredo has his, his empathy and his, and his love. Um, and the fact that neither of them has all three is, that's why Michael, uh, that, that's why James Kahn dies. That's why Michael um, ends up the way he is and ends up alone and, you know, no family uh, to really speak of um, yeah. by the end. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. I love yeah, it. it. His character, just Michael's character arc alone. There, That's the other great thing about this movie is just about everybody has a character arc. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Done by terrific actors um but just michael's arc alone where think about it he's a soldier mm -hmm. he got out of the war he wanted he to go legit he survived mm -hmm. he's gotten through what he thinks is the darkest period in his life he's yeah. like i can i've made it and i've met this great woman i'm gonna get married and we're gonna have a great life yeah and then the rest of the mm -hmm. movie happens yeah he goes from saying that's my family kate not me to don't ask me about my family don't ask me about my business to put it to to by the end and literally closing the door on her yes by the end she's on the other end she's not even in the room like in the beginning they're both on the outside yeah and he's kind of fine with it because he's like i'm gonna go legit and then when he comes into the family he becomes the Don, but he's still in that I want to be legit phase. 
you know, which is why he keeps getting power and power and all that, and what gets him into trouble with the second movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the his character arc as a whole, Michael Corleone is such a great character study in like a villain, like how someone becomes a villain. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, yeah, not to mention one of the great um one of the great sequences that whenever I have tried to write something, I've tried to replicate. That's been my go-to um, ending uh, back in years ago when I thought I could write stuff, um, was the ending to The Godfather when he's at the baptism and all, and he's bumping yeah. everybody off. Yeah, as he's saying these words of, it's like, uh, I shall reject yeah. Satan. And I yeah, shall you renounce Satan, I do renounce him. him. And bam! Mo Green gets it right in the eye. Oh, Mo Green. Oh, and then the, the guy dressed up as a cop shoots the guy on the steps. Mm -hmm. uh, the two people in bed get blown away. The guy gets shot in the, um, in the what is it, the revolving door. Yeah. All yeah. just brutal. Like, all these people are knocked off. Yeah. In, in sequence. And it's just amazing. Yeah. Oh, just great storytelling, great filmmaking. So yeah, if you haven't seen The Godfather, we have spoiled a lot of it for you. You're probably yeah. five years old. <laughs> um, oh, that's a great pick. Yeah, that's my number um, three. That's how much. Three. That's how much I love one and two. And people, if anyone, people on the internet, you know, if they discover this, will probably hate me for my number one and my number two picks considering what my my previous ones are but uh yeah. again these are favorites uh, l l listen that's definitely going to be a thing if you want a different top two make your own list yeah. um but my number two and i'm going to speed past this as well to save time because i get I, along with the dark knight this movie is going to be this season this movie and dark knight they're going to be this season's uh uh west wing <laughs> it's just gonna keep coming up every episode um i guarantee it <laughs> my number two and it's been my favorite movie for a long time and then it was fargo and then then it was this other movie that i'll get to later but it's always one of my top favorites citizen king yes um, I was this was kind of coming i mean you talk about the american dream this movie is that in spades. The great uh, Orson Welles in his masterpiece. Um, and masterpiece, not only of filmmaking, but of acting as well. The idea, like he, he acts the same person in like, from being in his 20s to being in his like, I don't know, 70s or 80s in the course of like two and a half hours. That's an acting feat that not many people can pull off. It sounds like an easy thing, because like, oh, you just put on makeup. It's not just about putting on makeup. You know, it's about the physicality. It's about how the voice changes ever so subtly. Um, add to that all the filmmaking techniques that were innovative. And they and when you describe how innovative they were, they sound mundane because everyone does it now there's such a staple of filmmaking but it's that thing of realizing that like all these staples of modern filmmaking happened in this one movie 
with Orson Welles and his cinematographer. His cinematographer had a lot, Greg Toland, he had a lot of experience and he wanted to work with new inexperienced directors because he felt it was like, I, I, I wanna do something new. And directors who've been around a while, they're just gonna do what they've always known to do. But a director who doesn't really know how to direct, he's gonna throw out these crazy ideas and I wanna see if I can do it, which is yeah. exactly what he did with Orson. Orson's coming from the theater world where, you know, he can figure out a way to make everything work. And now he's coming in a new field and he's trying to figure it out and he's throwing out these ideas and Greg Tolan's like, I think we could put a camera in the, in, in the, you know, on the outside of a cabin and then in one continuous shot, go through the window of the cabin into the cabin through a table that people are signing at back out of the table, back through the cabin into the doorway, looking outside the cabin now, all in one shot. Now today, like Paul Thomas Anderson does that in like all his movies. Right. But, you know, it's become a staple of Scorsese movies. Right. It's but, a, yeah, it's a Roger. It's a, basically if you love Roger Deakins. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it started here with this guy in this movie. And there's so many innovations, so many great things. And the idea of the man who has everything on his deathbed, the one thing he wants is the one thing he can never have back which is his innocence, his childhood, his lost childhood, which tells you a lot about, you know, Orson Welles is a very complicated figure, but it tells you a lot by what, about what's important and what values, at least at one point he held. Mm -hmm. and for me, st still ring true, which is the time you have, because at the end of the day, when you're about to say your last words, it'll probably be something like Rosebud. Yeah. You know, it'll be something about if I just had a few more minutes at that point in my life. Yeah. I wish I could go back and have just a few more minutes. I feel like we would all, if we're all honest with ourselves, that's what we wish. Yeah. If we could go back and fix anything about our lives, it wouldn't be to go somewhere or to do a few more things or get a few, you know, more money it'll be to have just five more minutes, five yeah. more minutes with the people I love. That's, that's it. Or with that time in my life where everything was just perfect. I wish I had five more minutes to just appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be fine. And that's why I love this movie. And I always come back to it and why I feel like so many people will rank, have ranked this as a, an amazing movie, almost a, as one of the best movies ever made, aside from the technical aspects of it nearly a hundred years out like close to a hundred years after it came out so that's my number two yeah it's a reason it's a reason why i think afi had it at number one or number two for years for like so many years and then it moved to number two right. and i think godfather moved to number one yeah so, so which is a great movie and right. yeah but yeah citizen kane so good um so much better than really any, a lot of things that were out that and during that time oh I yeah mean, talk about a movie ahead of its time way ahead of its time i mean just
oh, and so uh, also so gutsy to be um, about uh, William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. Uh, just incredible filmmaking. And yes, yeah, yeah, imagine someone making a movie about how this media mogul is a corrupt person who like manipulates the news to get the outcome that you know they want in society. That's such a 1940s thing. In no yeah. way does that you couldn't make that today because it never had. <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah. That's uh, yeah, and uh, a good companion piece to this would be uh, would be the movie Mank. I enjoyed that one as well. That's yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, Citizen Kane, man, Orson just yeah, the, just the acting achievement alone from Orson Welles. I mean, what yeah. we, I mean, what we got from Orson Welles was good, was great. Yeah, throughout his career. Yeah, but imagine, I mean, imagine the multiverse where things went right for him. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the last time anything went well, went right for him. Yeah. He was only like 22, 23. Yeah. Which is another thing. Remember, like, he was really young. Yes. What were you doing when you were 23? You weren't making one of the greatest movies ever made in the history of film. No. He was. And, like, he was, but that's one of those things. It's like, he, from, from a young age, he was certified as a genius. Yeah. At some point, you just kind of believe it. Yeah. Until people just get pissed off at you and they start taking things away from you. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Um, Although he inadvertently created the independent movie market. Yeah. Not alone, but I mean, he became one of the big figures of it because he just had to. Yeah. You know, raise money independently and finance it yourself and distribute it yourself. And stuff that's become, you know, its own business now. So. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was my number two. What's your number two? My number two is not Citizen Kane. Uh, <laughs> though it is a Coen Brothers movie. Ah. One of my favorites that was my number one for a while. It is um, the one uh, comedy on my list. <laughs> it is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Ah. When you said comedy, I was like, okay, Raising Arizona or Oh Brother? It is, I mean, it's part of the great uh, Clooney uh, Coen Brothers trilogy. Trilogy of idiots, yeah. I mean, his, his, uh, his character is just so good. I'm a dapper damn man. Uh, was it, uh, it's, uh, if you want that, it'll be uh, two weeks. And I go, well, what about... Uh, but uh, he asked about something else. Uh, that'll be two weeks left to order that. <laughs> this place is a geographical oddity. It's two weeks away from everything. <laughs> I mean, when he gets on that train to be like, do any of you happen to be uh, Smithies perchance? Or how about, <laughs> were you Smithies in a previous life before uh, a series of uh, unforeseen circumstances have led you to a life of uh, aimless wandering? then <laughs> <laughs> Delmar gets pulled yeah. off the train and then he gets, he hits the ground, you see his eyes pop open and then he gets pulled off. Yeah. Oh, just the comic brilliance of George Clooney alone is why I love this movie. Yeah. And on top of that, you have such the great, the ensemble is so good. The story is so good. I mean, he like takes- Like the idea of making it the Odyssey. Yes. Brilliant. 
he takes the Odyssey and puts it in the Dust Bowl. Again, another yeah. uh, again another theme of of so uh, the American dream being unachievable. Yeah. Yet people continue on the quest. Yeah. And this character trying to get his family back. Yeah. yeah. Based and he does it he gets out of prison based on a lie. Yeah. Because he lies to his other two friends saying that he's got, you know, he's got a treasure for them and he doesn't. Yeah. He yeah. just needed them to get out. Yeah. And just all the, I mean, the people they meet along the way is so I good. love the baptism scene. <sighs> Come in. Like, Come on that, in, boys. The water is fine. That whole thing. <laughs> I enjoy that so much every time. Like, the music is so good. It is so good. I mean, I remember when that movie came out, like it swept the Grammys. Like a soundtrack, a movie soundtrack swept the Grammys. I mean, not That's only, how good this music was. I mean, not only Man of Constant Sorrow, but the, the baptism song. Yeah. The, um, the siren song is really good. Oh, yeah. Even the clan song was catchy, scary, but yeah. compelling. Yeah. And who knew it would be uh, prophetic? Um, but it was, it was so good. I mean, it was, it's just, it is so rewatchable. It is so fun. It is so comfortable. It is so likable. And, but it has so many twists and turns to where mm -hmm. it still keeps your attention too. You're going along and then, oh, something changes go yeah. along oh something changes again right yeah it's so good but i mean you get john goodman i mean Ugh. yeah so many good characters and just classic coen brothers dialogue is just it, it it's like it's like popcorn i just i, I once i have it i just i, I gotta finish it's I gotta have it all you know? they do their their detailed a character is is like it's like the Sistine Chapel. They yeah. are meticulous about every single character. I yeah. mean, they're like, uh, I, I'm no, it's just been us since his mom. R U N N O F T. Yeah. I'm like, I'm fixing to get out of here. You guys fixing to R U N N O F T out of here? <laughs> the oh. the best example of that I've ever heard of just how specific their dialogue is. Yeah um was actually i think in in uh um um oh geez um fargo <laughs> um, <laughs> when uh i forget the actor's name the guy playing the like the swedish guy um oh yeah i know you're at one point he says go to pancake's house and he said he read it in the script and he thought that's got to be a type the typo and so he he was filmed they were filming and it was in a car and and he he said uh go to the pancakes house and then he just hears a cut and it's he just looks and it's like one of the coen brothers taking their headphones off and like looking to the side and being like hey hey sorry you got it wrong it's it no the he's like oh i thought it was a typo and he's like he's like i just want to make it very clear 
There are no typos in our script. The dialogue is exactly the way we want it to be. Like, it's like, oh. okay, all right. Oh man, but it's, it's so good. I mean, it's the, I mean, just the, I mean, but just the, the journey that they go on is so good and the payoff at the end. Yeah. Where you end up, you know, they end up singing and dancing with the mayor. Yeah. And oh no, it's the mayor. I think it's the governor. And uh it's the governor, I think. Yeah. And the bad guy gets run off on a rail. It's yeah. it's just again, it rewards you every time. It just like that's how and then by the end it's like he thought that he brought brought her back his her ring. He's like, oh, that's not my ring. Like, no, we can't, we can't get married. I won't get married without the rings. Like, that ring is at the bottom of <laughs> the bottom of it. And I was like, oh, I love <laughs> yeah. uh, what the other my other favorite joke is what is it? Uh, no, he's not he's not your dad. Your dad was run over by a train. Why'd you tell my kids we got hit by a train? A lot of respectable people have been hit by trains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and my dad's favorite one is uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? And stay out of Woolworths. Was it? And what happened to you? We got kicked out of Woolworths. I don't know if it's just that one or the whole chain. <laughs> oh, just that's so great. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Oh, brother, where are you? Yeah, that's such a great movie. Yeah. So we're at number one. We're at our number ones. We're and get the internet's anger. Do we need to remind them what our email address is? Uh, yes, it is uh, Crown Vic. Uh, one no, no, that is not. How dare you? It is the story is podcast at. <laughs> <laughs> um. So number one, my number one, and it's a movie I've in the since it came out. It's probably the movie I've watched more than any other movie. Um. And it has a lot to do with who I am now, what I'm doing in my life, um, where I'm going, what's important to me. Um, and this movie says a lot of things that I think are very important, um, but says it in a very fun way, um, which is digestible, which for something like this, you know, if you want to show something to kids or families or something like that, it needs to be, it's a heavy subject matter, but you, you know, you got to make it palatable. And this one does it so well. Um, and that is Pixar's Inside Out. Um, you know, story of Riley, this teenage, preteen actually, um, you know, in Minnesota, and it's about her and the people in her mind, or the, the, the things in her mind that, you know, are responsible for the emotions of joy, sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. Um, and navigating the world of moving across country to a different school, different place, and all the ups and downs that would naturally happen to a kid um, when that happens and how you manage them and what's 
healthy way to react to something, what's an unhealthy way to react to something. Um, and it, I mean, it's such a, I mean, it deals with mental health and, and depression, depression in kids, which is very hard to see um, and very hard to uh, diagnose. Um, like as a parent, it's hard to catch, to know like, is your kid depressed or are they acting out? Is this a part of growing up? What's the deal? Um, and they lay it out very well. Um, you know, joy goes missing. And the, the whole idea of joy played by Amy Poehler um, and Phyllis from The Office playing Phyllis, <laughs> AKA sadness, yeah. like basically take Eeyore and take any happiness that Eeyore had and you have sadness. Um, yeah. And it, it, taking, you know, Joy just wants Riley to be happy all the time, wants to be joyful all the time. Uh, and doesn't want any sadness at all. Wants as little anger as possible and fear and disgust occasionally, you know, which is understandable. I mean, if you're a parent, if you're any relation to a kid, you, you yeah, I would love for them. I, I want them to be happy all the time. But the reality is that's not possible. It's not, a, it's not a part of being a human being. Um, and the idea of this whole story being that sadness is not the enemy. Sometimes sadness is the solution. And the idea of from that emotions are so much more complicated than I am sad, I am angry, I am afraid, I am, you know, whatever, that they're often mixtures of all of them uh, or more than one. And the idea that some of the most joyful times in Riley's life came as a result of very sad moments in her life. Mm -hmm. And the finally trying to understand the, the complexity of that and that it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have these, you know, down moments and emotions. Um, so, the the so it's that part yeah. okay. uh, but that part being like the idea of trying to connect that message that these feelings are a part of being human and it's okay that you feel them. Um, and often sometimes the best feelings happen from them. The best memories happen because of them. And uh, the thing I really, I mean, Pixar does it again in terms of making me cry um, over the just, I mean, people's, I mean, people say, up is this is the saddest up it has the saddest like 10 minutes yeah but inside out has just tear jerkers all over the place like when when joy and 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 bing bong are down 
where the memories go to get destroyed forever. Uh, you know, her watching and reminiscing on Riley and you see all the love in her face and just, and she starts crying cause she just, she loves this kid so much. Yeah. And all she wants is to make things better. And all she's done is make things worse. And, you know, from that to bing bong, you know, send her to the moon for me before he fades into being nothing. I mean, it's, and then at the end when she confronts her parents and is like, starts crying and is like, I miss my school and I miss my friends and I miss Minnesota and I'm really upset that we're here and I miss everything of our lives back there and I'm not handling it well. And the parents being like, I miss it too and holding her and that the joy that then comes from that too. And there are so many things about that I love. And it's when it gets to its darker areas, it's still a Pixar movie and still finds a way to keep it light and happy, but also delivering the message, delivering the serious things that are good for, you know, adults as well to enjoy and kids as well to absorb. It is so sophisticated. They hired therapists and psychologists for the movie to deal with these things. So they were telling an accurate story. Um, and I, there are so many things about it that I love and I've gone on way too long, but that's my number one, Inside Out. Uh, that is a great one. Um, two things. One, I tell you that bing bong sequence hits you right in the heart. Oh yeah. Because I mean, you have the understanding kids thing, but then they hit you as an adult of the, oh, that's right. Just the markers of time and life and how there's a part of you that's gone. And that's a part of growing up. Yeah. Acknowledging that loss is kind of kind of brutal. It is. Yeah. I mean, so there's that, but then I appreciate any movie that does uh, similar things to what the mission of what Mr. Rogers was, which was giving kids the permission to feel feelings. Yes. Yeah. And that was, it felt very hand in glove. Yeah. With that movie, with a lot of what he would teach was, Yeah. yeah, life's hard. And we feel a lot of big feelings. Yeah. And the people around us, like like the character Joy, don't want us to be sad for good reasons. Yeah. But then that puts on us the onus to not be sad. Yeah. And it it, it, it just makes it worse. So yeah, I that is yeah, that movie is terrific. Great pick, and yeah, just yeah. so good. I mean, not to mention the voice acting is terrific. Perfect. I mean, they cast the perfect voices, and I mean, Amy Poehler, perfect. Yeah. I mean, Joy, of course, she's Joy, yeah. And Louis Black is anger. I mean, <laughs> that's like a no duh, yeah. Yeah, it's like they got their number one picks. Like they didn't. Yeah. I, I doubt that they had totally. you know, someone else that they wanted. 
Yeah. Great pick. Great pick. Yeah. Um, so, my, your number one. My number one. Um, it's. Uh, it is. Uh, it is about the American dream. That's a mono stands of fate. I'm sorry. Mono stands of fate. It is a little movie called Suburban Commando. No. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, this one is. Um, this one is a fairly recent movie. It came out in 2019. Oh, very recent. Okay. It is called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, boy. I'm not seen this. It is a young man searches for home in the changing city that seems to have left him behind. It's directed by Joe Talbot, story by Jimmy Fails, Joe Talbot, and Rob uh, uh, Ricker. It, um, and interestingly enough, the actor, Jimmy Fails, plays the character, Jimmy Fails. Um, and if you're wondering what happens in the story, Jimmy Fails. Um, it, it's, it, it, it's about really two characters, um, but the driving force behind it is this character of Jimmy who's trying to get back the house in San Francisco that his grandfather built, that mm -hmm. him and his, uh, him and his dad um, you know, were kicked out of years ago. And so they, him and his friend uh, Montgomery uh, travel into the city and they go in just to look at the house and then they see that and they go and um, they take care of the house. Like the movie actually starts with people, with uh, the resident, residents who live there throwing like scones or something at them because they're, he's painting the house. Yeah. He's still taking care of the house because um, he has such pride in it and he wants to go, wants to go back to it. Yeah. And, and so when it looks like they've abandoned the house, they, they and that's, oh, that's, then they break in. They get in and they're in the house. And the way the director shot this house, this house is beautiful. Just the, in the ray of light in there, when they get in there. It's a beautifully shot movie. And this is a guy I don't know, but I feel so happy for him that he's made it into this house. And he's like, I'm, it's like, he's done it. He's, he's got it. It looked like it was impossible, but you know what? I've done it. I've got the American dream. And he goes and he goes back to his, um, I think it's his aunt's house. He says, hey, let's get the furniture from, from there and everything. We're gonna, we're gonna get it back in the house. And, and he's trying so hard to hold on to this. And he can't. Yeah. And and I, I and and I, and he's trying to hold on to a time in his life and hold on to something that he really doesn't own. Yeah. But he wants to so badly. And then his friend Montgomery, played by Jonathan Majors, who is quickly became one of my favorite actors. 
is this um, artist playwright who works in this uh, like fish market and lives with his dad played by Danny Glover. And Danny Glover's character is blind. Mm. And so they listen, he watches TV with them and Jonathan Majors tells them um, what's, what's going on on the, on, on TV. And, and, and Majors, you know, life basically revolves around taking care of his dad and being friends with Jimmy and writing the play. And he's observing um, everybody around him. And he ends up um, writing, they're doing a memorial slash a play after a, after uh, a tragedy occurs uh, to, a, to a, a character. And, and it essentially, you know, it is Jonathan Majors essentially does a one man show to memorialize somebody but also to tell his friend Jimmy the truth he doesn't want to face. Yeah. And it's such an it's such an amazing movie again about the American dream about trying to reach for a time in your life that you can't have back and eventually about moving forward. Mm -hmm. And about letting go. And and also about loving something um aside from the fact that jimmy's red jacket that he wears in that movie is in my opinion as iconic as james dean's in rebel without a cause wow the writing is really good uh just the and you'll see this line in the trailer so i'm not spoiling anything when this movie teaches us that you don't get to hate a city unless you love it yeah yeah and I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll readily admit that I'm biased that if this movie had been made about a different city, would it hit me as hard? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's still a good story, but, but yeah, I can't help but uh, related to growing up in California mm -hmm. and the city that everybody looks at is San Francisco. Yeah. Apologies to the it's, Oakland listeners. Um, it's the center of everything around here. It really is. I mean, if, and, you know, as a, as a kid, I'd think about, you know, if I, you know, if you'd made it, you were living somewhere in San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. And. That's it, why it was hard for me to, to leave. You know, when I lived there, like. Yeah. I, I priced out and I was. I mean, I got priced out of it, and then I had to move to Daly City, which yeah. is, but it's like right next door to it, so it, it felt like the same. And then when I had to move away from there, it was even like, man, like, but this is, this is where, like, I finally got here. Yeah. And I can't stay. Right. Yeah. And it's hard, but the but the um but the thing is the both in life and in the movie the the win or the victory or the hope is in moving on yeah 
yeah. and keeping going. And that's what the character does. Yeah. Um, as you keep going, you accept what you can't have and you move on yeah. and you keep going. The defeat is to stay where you are and to keep going after the dream you can't have. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. The, it, it's that quote. I, for, I forget who says the, this thing we call defeat is not the falling down, but the, the, the refusal to stand back up or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Last Black Man in San Francisco, not to mention also the music is incredible. It is a beautiful movie. Um, it has my favorite rendition of uh, If You're Going to San Francisco. Mm. Um, sung by the same guy that did uh, I've Got Five on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. He actually makes a small cameo in the movie, too. <laughs> Pretty cool. Jonathan Majors cool. talks to him and says, hey, do you know any other songs? And he, and he does a, a few bars of I've Got Five on it. <laughs> it's just, it is, and it, I mean, of course it is, it's a, it's both a love letter to San Francisco and also an indictment of it there's a lot to love about it like you said you can only hate a city you really love because yeah there's a lot to love and a lot to hate about san francisco yeah it's a it's a weird bittersweet thing to go in there like yeah. to I, I go see shows with my wife and it's like yeah it's like you it's like i love that city and i want to move back tomorrow yeah. but i also hate what it's become yeah it's a it's a yeah it's really sad and how again a city of you know multi-billion uh, multi-millionaires living and expanding in the city and pushing anyone who can't afford it you know to tent cities right on the outer skirts and then being like we need to get them out of here like they weren't people who have lived in this neighborhood their whole life right. and their families have lived in this neighborhood their whole life right their families families but Mr. Millionaire is coming in and he's building a, you know, you know, one bedroom apartments and studio apartments that, you know, are like $2,000 to start. And it's like, sorry that your, your culture and your heritage is here, but our money is more important. Yeah. yeah. So it's a beautiful movie. If you haven't seen it. Please. I definitely have. That's that was one of those movies that is like every time Oscar season comes around, I was like, I need to see that, and it slipped through the cracks because it was also one of those movies. I was like, I feel like this might be heavy. I need to be ready to see it. Yeah. And then I'm just never in that spot, yeah. <laughs> you know. Until eventually, I feel like just one day I'm gonna be like, just put it on. And I'll just put it on and watch it. And it'll be like five years from now. And I'll be like, hey, remember that movie? <laughs> I, I watched it. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, that's how it goes. I've, I've definitely done that with movies. But uh, no. oh. um, so that's what that was our top five. Um, again, this season we're doing movies. Um, we will revisit these lists at the end of this season. Uh, and I, like I said, I guarantee some of these movies are going to come up again. Um, <laughs> before then um anyway um tell us what you if you tell us what you thought if you have a top five send it in maybe we'll read it in the next episode who knows yeah. potomania at yahoo.com um 
anyway uh hope everyone's enjoying their summer um as much as you can i am not a summer person so i don't enjoy summer very much cool. but uh do your best yeah and uh and pretty soon uh, it'll be october and we'll be saying thank god summer is almost done now <laughs> yeah i oh i forgot to mention neither one of us have the movie independence day on our list no no because this is coming out the week of thanks of thanksgiving um <laughs> of independence day yeah Can canadian um, thanksgiving uh yeah. independence day um yeah maybe on uh best movie with one-liners yeah <laughs> or best uh, Roland Emmerich movies. Number one, yeah, is Independence Day. Number two, um, I don't know. Number three, The Patriot, and uh, number four, I don't know. Number five, I don't know. There you go, yeah. mini episode. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time.